is said and done. We think of our friends and families, our brothers and sisters in the Ukraine, and we pray, Lord, that you will overshadow them with your presence, comfort their hearts, protect them, continue to give President Zelensky the confidence and strength that only you can give. We pray for world peace, Lord God. We pray that the bloodshed would cease and that peace would come. Lord, and we pray blessing upon this assembly today. Each heart bowed before you, Lord. You know every life. You see every need. And Lord, that you are acquainted with our needs and able to supply them in your gracious love and mercy. Bless your word to our hearts this day, and may we be aware that you are still working and honoring your word as it goes forth. For faith comes by hearing the word of the Lord. Accomplish your goodwill in our lives this day. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Well, thank you, praise team. That was wonderful today. Let's give them a hand. I'll tell you, that's good. Nothing like being in the presence of the Lord and being together and to see smiling faces, I hope, you know. Um, but I know that uh, you loved your pastor and uh, that uh, he has moved on. And uh, I was in a conference this week <laughs> with Eastern and Western District and uh, quotes that the keynote speaker said is, every pastor's in term, you know. And I thought, well, that's true. They're always here for a season and for a purpose. And, and so if it's right for, for your pastor to move on down to Leamington and be a blessing there, then he has good things in store for you here as well. And so his work doesn't cease, it continues. And I'm not here to put in time, I'm here to make our time together count. So we're not on hold waiting, we're going to continue to move forward. Amen? And uh, so I... Um, uh, I, we want to get acquainted with you on Wednesday night. I guess that's why we thought, well, if we just get here and, and uh, you can go around and say who you are, how long you've been coming, and a little bit about yourself, and then Doris and I uh, will we'll talk about ourselves. And I thought that's a good way to get connected quickly so that we can move together in unity. So we welcome you to come out on Wednesday night at 7, and uh, just come. It's just going to be informal, and we just want to get acquainted. And uh, then we look forward to Good Friday. Uh, I know that many of you have been shocked with the sudden death of Lori Givens, our, district, well, our previous district superintendent. Served with him for many years on the executive, and uh, what a shock. Um, and uh, so I understand that he was here just a couple of weeks ago. So, uh, you know, and the day before he passed, he uh, overlooked and officiated a funeral of a mutual pastor friend of ours and not knowing the next day he, that Lori would be gone. And uh, so it, it was a sudden shock, that's for sure. But uh, we pray for Debbie and family and... Uh, that God will comfort them. It hasn't taken God by surprise, but it is a shock, that's for sure. Now this morning, uh, knowing that we're in Lent season, I know we've been overshadowed with Ukraine and we really wanna be supportive of that and we'll, we'll look into that further. But uh, I just think uh, with Lent season, 
which are the days leading up to Easter, and in the Easter, this is Easter month, uh, I just thought it would be appropriate uh, to, to speak about Christ's journey to the cross. And so my text is found in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9, and verse 51. And uh, I know it's up here, I think, but if not, I've got it here. Here we are. Okay. As the time approached for Jesus to be taken up to heaven, he resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Now, I want you to understand that in the Gospel of Luke, this became a major shift. Because from this time on, through the narrative of the Gospel of Luke, it tracks the journey of Jesus to Jerusalem and ultimately to the cross. And I'd encourage you, even in the coming weeks just before Easter, that you would read a couple of chapters of Luke from this passage on, and you begin to see uh, all that Jesus accomplished. And uh, so, I hope this is on right, anyway. Um, so, but this was a, a major turning point. It was a defining moment. And I'm sure we can think of God moments in our lives. But Jesus came to the realization his time to go towards Jerusalem and ultimately to the cross had arrived. There came a point in his life that he knew when he was in Nazareth that he would put down the carpenter's tools for the last time and he'd close the door and leave the carpenter shop with his brothers and he made his way down the Jordan River to be baptized by John and of course he went into the wilderness and came out in the power of the Holy Spirit and everything he did from there on was done by the enabling power of the Holy Spirit not just because he was God but he was like us so that we too can be enabled by the Holy Spirit to accomplish his will and so when you read the context of Luke chapter 9, verse 51, just previous to this, um, there was 5,000 people that he fed with a couple of loaves and few fish. And that was a, a, an amazing time. But the people there were en route to Jerusalem. They always traveled in, in groups for safety's sake. And they too were migrating towards Jerusalem ultimately to celebrate the Passover and in his heart Jesus knew he heard his father speak it was an inaudible but very real thing saying it's time and it says as that time for him to be taken up to heaven which would be preceded with his death upon the cross he steadfastly, resolutely, determinedly made his way to Jerusalem. Let me just read a few passages um, to show you through the Luke's gospel that from that time on, he knew his ministry in Galilee had ended. And he turned and he started marching and moving towards Jerusalem. Luke 13 22 always pressing on towards Jerusalem 
Luke 17, 11, Jesus continued towards Jerusalem. Luke 18, going up to Jerusalem where all the predictions of the prophets concerning the Son of Man would come true. Luke 19, 11, nearing Jerusalem. So all the way through Luke's gospel from this point on, Jesus steadfastly, determinedly kept moving towards Jerusalem. And so he knew what was awaiting him. He knew that he would be betrayed. He knew that he would be denied. He would be deserted. He would be handed over to Caiaphas and the high priests, and, and he would suffer. He knew that better than anybody else. And knowing that, because that's the why, why he came, he continually tried his best to prepare his disciples. He kept speaking to them as they went along. Now think of this. He knew that his time had come. And so after feeding the multitude, he begins to deliberately have more interaction, in-depth conversation with his disciples. And he wanted them to, he, he wanted to see how much they have learned and really grasped within their hearts over the past three and a half years. And so, just shortly after, he asked them, you know, the crowd that we just fed a couple of days ago, what are they saying? Who do they say I am? And of course, they responded saying, well, many think that you're either Elijah or John the Baptist or one of the prophets come back to life again. And that was really complimentary, but it was incomplete and inaccurate. So he pressed it even further, and he looked right at them and said, but who do you say I am? And Peter, of course, spoke up and said, well, you're the Messiah, the Christ, the promised one. And he said, yes, Peter, and flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but my father. And he said, make sure you don't openly tell people, but it's true, that's who I am. And he said, right after that, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and be crucified. I'm going to be betrayed and and hand it over. And of course, we read the passage where Peter began to rebuke him, saying, God, don't do that. Jesus, you can't do that. Oh, I don't want to. And imagine that Peter taking on Jesus and telling him he couldn't do this. And, and here he is, Jesus is saying, Way to go, Peter. That's what God revealed to you that I'm the Messiah. And then, in a moment later, Satan, get behind me. Because it was the enemy trying to hinder him from his ultimate mission. So Jesus really kept speaking more frequently and more directly to his disciples. And uh, I've got some scriptures here just to show you all that he said at those times. He, he said, uh, for the time, from that time on, Matthew 16, Jesus began to show his disciples he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the high priests, chief priests and scribes, and be killed and be raised the third day. Luke 9, 22. The Son of Man 
This is Jesus speaking one-on-one -on -one with his disciples. Not only probing, you know, when he asked, who do you think I am? It wasn't that he was insecure, you know, needing some encouragement. He wanted to see how much had really resonated with them, how much they really understood who he was. And then he went on to show him, show them why he came. And he said, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Again in Luke 9, 44. And listen to him. Imagine, picture it. You're with him and he knows his time's coming. And, you know, he kept speaking and, you know, and then he, he says this to them. Let these words sink down into your heart. The Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men. But they did not understand this saying. Luke 9, 44, 45. They did not perceive it. And they were afraid to say anything about it. Because it wasn't in their thinking. Jesus wanted them to know his person, who he was. He wanted them to know why he came and how that would be accomplished. And he wanted them to understand his kingdom. But why they didn't understand was because they had a preconceived idea. When he said, we're going to Jerusalem, wow, now we're going to have the showdown. Now, now, now's the time he's going to overthrow the Roman rule. And we're going to set up the kingdom. And if you read through the Gospels, they were, you know, kibitzing amongst themselves who is the greatest. And, oh, I want to be the minister of finance. Oh, I want to be the minister of defense. And they, they were jockeying for position. And they didn't get it. Because they had a preconceived idea that why Jesus came was to set up his kingdom in Jerusalem and set the Jewish people free. But he said, my kingdom is in the hearts of men. So they didn't understand. And it says they were afraid to say anything because he, they heard him sternly rebuke Peter, saying, you can't do that, <laughs> you know, uh, to be crucified. And even Peter at one point, everybody else will desert you, but I won't. So you know, this is the dialogue going on. And with the heaviness of the cross and his ultimate death weighing in upon Jesus as days passed by and walking towards Jerusalem. He couldn't help but in his personal conversations, in his private times with his disciples, continually speak to them, wanting to prepare them for what they didn't know or understand and in the midst of that if you read through the gospel of Luke the amazing thing as they traveled he always was sensitive to the need of the moment he never got distracted but he was always sensitive to those that he encountered it tells us of how he took Peter, James, and John up into the mountain and he was transfigured. And later on, John said, 
and we beheld his glory. The glory of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. He looked back to that time. But as they came down that mountain, there was a demon-possessed young boy, maybe 12 or so. And uh, stays on here. Um, anyway, um, as they came down, the father just poured out his heart and said, Lord, your disciples prayed for my son. He's been cast down and foaming at the mouth, and, and it's been the enemy has just possessed him and, and tortured him, and they couldn't cast him out. And he didn't say, just bring him here. And as, they, as he came, he fell at his feet, and he cast the devil out. Now, can you imagine how that changed the heart of that young boy? that he's on route to Jerusalem, but he always was sensitive to the need. And, and he set that young boy free. His life would be forever changed. Can you imagine the heart of the father and mother? So grateful. And, and yet Jesus continued on to the cross. And wherever he went, there always were large crowds. And I think two different ones migrating towards Jerusalem to go to the Passover because every Jew from every far, far part of, of Israel would migrate towards Jerusalem for the great Passover celebration but wherever he went there were always large crowds and then you read on how he came into Jericho you come down from Galilee and then you come to Jericho, and then you start going up the Jericho Road to Jerusalem. As he came into Jericho, there was throngs of people around him, and he saw Zacchaeus up a tree. <laughs> you know the story, a little Zacchaeus. He was outwardly successful. He climbed the corporate ladder. He was you know, wealthy and despised because he was, uh, uh, you know, uh, an, an undeserving tax collector stealing money from the people. Putin, forgive me. But anyway, yeah, but, uh, you know, <laughs> so uh, I won't go there. But, uh, but that was Zacchaeus. The amazing thing to me was Jesus knew him. How do I? He said, he called him by name. Zacchaeus. And he saw his heart, outwardly successful, spiritually bankrupt. Being so short, he couldn't see Jesus. That's why he climbed the sycamore tree to get a good look at him. And their eyes met, and he said, Zacchaeus, come on down. I'm going to have dinner with you today. He was criticized and ridiculed by the religious leaders and the political uh, fallout, but he didn't care. And he nourished Zacchaeus and set him free and forgave his sins. And he said, Lord, I'm going to pay back ten times as much as what I've taken from people. That's how you know when God has your heart, when he has your pocketbook. Amen? Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And where your heart is, that's where your treasure is. So he changed Zacchaeus' life. We're going to meet him someday. He's going to tell us his story. 
And then on his way out of Jericho, there was a blind beggar, Bartimaeus. Now, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, burdened and preparing his disciples, but sensitive to the need. And as he was going out, he heard the cry of faith. Now picture Bartimaeus. He sat by the roadside begging all his life. He never saw any nice luscious Jaffa oranges. He, he was blind. And he always, you know, alms for the poor. But this day was different. There was a large crowd, and he could hear the excitement in the crowd. And he tugged on their coattails saying, what, what's happening? Who, who's coming down the Oh, just be quiet. You're an insult to our community. Just sit there and be quiet. Well, well who is? He said, well, Jesus, uh, he's coming up. Oh, he couldn't get to Jesus, but Jesus was going to come to him. And, and so he started crying out. And the mayor and, you know, City councilor said, they said, Bartimaeus, just be quiet. If you don't be quiet, I'm not going to give him my long johns this winter. It's going to be a cold winter. And he just said, he cried all the more. And this was his cry, a cry of faith. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And in the midst of the crowd, Jesus heard the cry and he stopped. It touched his heart. And he turned and he said, who's calling for me? Oh, everybody, look at He said, no, stand back over here. And it was like the Red Sea. And he said, come. Now Bartimaeus, he couldn't see, but he heard the voice of Jesus. He picks up his cloak and makes his way. The need is pretty obvious. But Jesus asked him a direct question. What do you want me to do for you? And he said, oh, that I would win the lottery and have a few million dollars. No. Out of his heart, he said, Lord, that I'd receive my sight. Do you believe I'm able to do this? Yes. Receive your sight. And instantly, his blindness was gone. And you know, the very first thing he saw was the face of Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Out of absolute dejection darkness for years and then looking into the face of Jesus and it says he followed Jesus in the way he left his rags he left and he followed he was changed forever that's the kind of savior we have yesterday today and forever he's the same and he honors us with his presence here today. He knows every one of us by name, just as he knew Zacchaeus. And he looks upon the heart. He knows your needs, your cares, your concerns. And he said, whenever you gather in my name, I'll be there in your midst.
And so when he was on his way to the cross, he was thinking of us. He could look down the corridors of time. He didn't die just for the few there. He died for the sin of the whole world. And he made himself known to us. Isn't that amazing? He knew we were undeserving. But, you know, we quote John 3:16, for God so loved us, the world, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes on him will not perish, but have everlasting life. But don't forget the next verse, verse 17. God sent his son into the world not to condemn us, but to redeem us. Aren't you grateful for that? And so I sense his presence with us here today. I couldn't move away from that text. I thought, oh, I could preach on the cross. I'll get to that eventually. Because I thought, well, they didn't understand. I thought, well, may I preach on the cross? But no. The Spirit of God said, let the people know. I see you. I know you. I'm here to minister to you. And you're never too far away. The enemy will come and condemn and say, you're not deserving. None of us are. He knows everything about us. Nothing is hidden from him. He knows the good, the bad, and the ugly. And yet he chooses to love us. And that's what makes me love him all the more. He never gives up on us. Amen? So maybe you're here this morning. He not only died for our sins, but for our healing. And if you need a healing this morning, and you just want to believe with me, I know that they can't have altar calls, but I, I just feel that I need to be obedient to the prompting of the Lord. If you need a healing in your body, and the other thing he said was, those that are oppressed. He went about healing all who were oppressed of the enemy. And I know with this COVID thing on the last couple of years, there's been a lot of oppression, depression. And, you know, just a sense of not well-being. But Jesus wants to minister to us today. And so if you're here and you want me to pray healing for you and come into agreement, just stand to your feet and we're going to agree for that. If you're here this morning and you're saying, yeah, Pastor Dave, I, I just need a touch of God. Yes. Yes. Anyone else, just stand to your feet. And when you do, we're just going to agree together. And he sees us, and he wants you to know he's here to bring healing and wholeness. Is there anyone else? There's more. Yes, because we're going to agree right now. There's no distance with him in prayer. Praise God. Well, Lord, we come to you in the name of Jesus. And we thank you that you're acquainted with our griefs, our sorrows. And that, Lord, when you went to Calvary, you had us on your mind. And you died not only for our sins, but for our sickness. And I pray for all that are oppressed of the enemy that have been really struggling over the past couple of years. Lord, that you will lift that from them right now in the name of Jesus. Depression, oppression, 
be gone in Jesus' name. And replace it, Lord, with your peace, your presence, and your joy. For those who are in pain, and Lord, maybe uh, arthritis, whatever it is, or heart condition, Lord, we bring these physical needs to you as well. You were always sensitive to the moment of those needs, and you are the same today. And I pray healing comes into your body, which is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and that the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead will strengthen and heal you and take away the pain, the limitation, and replace it with strength and healing in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Maybe there are those here that have never really committed your life to Christ. There's no question of his commitment to us. He steadfastly set his face and he went to the cross to pay the price in full. Have you ever committed your life to Christ? Or do you need to make a fresh commitment to Christ? And if so, why don't you stand and we'll agree together. And we'll just believe for salvation and restoration because that's the kind of thing he is in changing lives, forgiving sin, taking away shame and guilt, and giving purpose and forgiveness and love. And his perfect love casts out all fear. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, you see every heart. And we thank you for what you're doing and you're moving by your spirit. And we know that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we give you praise for your faithfulness. Lord, keep your hand upon each one that is here today. You've drawn them by your spirit. They might have thought they came out of habit, but they were here because you brought them. And you know each one by name. You know every heart. And we pray blessing upon them in Jesus' name. And everyone said...